Faith will work in your heart with doubt in your mind. All day long, it will work. It will work. It will work. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, thank God we're not governed by our feelings. What are we, five? No. We make a decision. You making a decision to praise the Lord right now unlocks. It taps into the very thing that is already on the inside. We're not trying to get God to do anything. We're trying to tap in and draw out what is already in us. You know, a, a thirsty man can stand by a well and, and, and die of, of thirst. And the well's sitting right there. He just won't reach in there and draw it out. Draw it out. In your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Any, 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 anybody can praise the Lord when they got money in the bank. Anybody can praise the Lord when their back ain't hurting and their arms ain't hurting and their head's not hurting. Anybody can. Can you do it in the midst? Because you doing it in the midst of that shouts to your flesh and to Satan and to the religious system, I am not going to be dominated by what I feel. Some of you need to turn to your husband and your wife and say, I love you, even if you don't feel like it. I love you. That's the first step of restoration. I love you. I love you. God is calling us and beckon. there's a change all over the world. That's what I, I keep hearing it all the time. There's a change. There's a change. There's a change. He's not adding anything to you. How are you going to give me anything else that he's already deposited in me? <coughs> we Sometimes we sing that song, I'm hungry. Oh, Lord, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Well, then drink. Eat. My children wake up sometimes in the morning and say, I'm hungry. Well, then go get something to eat. Are you hearing me? He's given us, First Peter says, He's given us all things, all things, some things, all things that pertain to life and godliness. How do we tap into that? We draw it out. See, faith activates those things that we cannot see. Faith attaches itself to the things that we cannot grab a hold of. Faith says, I have it, not because of the mind or because of the will, but because of that which has been deposited. You and I have been given a measure. And we take that faith and we access everything through the kingdom of God by that faith. Well, what about my body is screaming? Then scream back. I'm serious. I'm not telling you something I'm not having to do. I'm not telling you something I haven't had to do. Where the fear comes and it grips you and it's so real. It's like somebody grabbing you and saying, you, you, you. And what are you doing? You just look at it and you say, you shut your mouth when you're talking to me. I'm not giving up to that. I'm not giving in to that. I'm not going to do it. Well, what if we die? Well, then we went out swinging. 
Come on. Well, what if I go broke? Well, you can't say that you wasn't believing God. I would rather, if, I, if, I, if I'm going to miss it, I would rather miss it swinging for the fence than not swinging at all. So what's the gift? What's the gift he wants to give us? <laughs> he ain't trying to give. He's already given it. He's already given it. When you and I stop asking God to do something for us that he's already done and we realize and recognize that it's already been manifested in us, all we've got to do is tap into it. Then and only then will our lives begin to change and our supernatural momentum will pick up. Who is God looking for? He's looking for the lunch guy who brings the lunch cart to the army and goes, what are y'all doing? And they go, what do you mean, what are we not doing? You serve the living God and you letting this uncircumcised big mouth talk trash to you? That's what he's looking for. He's looking for those who will be, look at the giants in the land and look at the mountains and go, mm, that, we got this. That's what he's looking for. And he's already deposited that in you. It's too much. I can't pay that thing off. If he can take a lunch. I mean, the miracles that Jesus did and the miracles that he does in our, in our life, really, your mind can't even wrap itself around. How do you part a sea? How does a man get thrown into a den with lions and not get eat up? How does a man get swallowed by a fish? He does these things so miraculously to where science can't explain it. So the only thing that's left is, I believe. He's looking for us to believe big. He's looking for us to look across this building. Look around the building. Look at all the chairs. He's asking us to believe him to fill these chairs. See, it's not my responsibility or really your responsibility to fill these chairs. Our responsibility is to fill each other up, is to build each other up. And we haven't done that enough. We focus on me, 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 instead of, man, I appreciate you. Man, I love you. Thank you. Well, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you? Don't listen to the world system. Don't listen to it. Let us be the ones that are out there shouting, running around, and everybody goes, what's wrong with you? Oh, we thanking God for this great provision, and there ain't no provision in sight whatsoever. You going to tell me that there are people marching around the walls of Jericho, they didn't look down and go, what are y'all doing? What are you doing? Look at that crazy folk down there. And we think they're just like, no, they were jumping and leaping and shouting and praising the Lord. Some of you just need to shout sometimes. Well, I might look like a fool. Glory! Glory! 
I don't know. The, 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 the Lord's been saying you got to get back to your roots and your roots is faith. Faith looks at it and says, you ain't nothing. I got this. Hallelujah. Some of you still looking at me. <laughs> it's time. Aren't you tired of being sick and tired? Aren't you tired of living your life where you get up and you do the same thing over and over again and you keep getting the same results and you keep, well, Lord, what's going on? What's going on? Maybe you need to throw a wrench in that system and do something different. I'm telling you, the greatest day in your life will be when you wake up and stop complaining. I was walking around the other day at, you know, all the stuff that's not done in our house and all the stuff that's not unpacked and I mean it's like I got a I got a hold of myself before the Holy Spirit got a hold of myself and I said hush look at all this I'm in my house I mean I got boxes everywhere but we're here get a hold of yourself it could be a lot worse why is it that Christmas is always, why is it that Christmas comes around every year and, and, it, and it's like people go, it's the greatest time of the year because the enemy knows. Well, I don't have enough money. Who told you that? You just had a testimony. Who told you that? The next time a thought comes into your mind, ask yourself, who is that? And where did that come from? That's good right there, now. The next time a thought, the next time you have an emotion, an emotional response to something, ask yourself, where did that come from? Who is that and where did it come from? You know what I'm talking about. I was thinking last night, we're, everybody, we're frustrated, 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 frustrated. And I said, Lord, where does frustration come from? He said, frustration comes from you not recognizing what you're not doing or recognizing what you are doing that you shouldn't be doing. Frustration is a natural response to things not going our way, but when it comes, it should alert us to go, mm, nah, thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, whatever you want, whatever you want me to do. I'm on a mission to get frustration, to get that kind of stuff. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to live like that no more. The next time you have an emotional response, the next time you have a thought, ask yourself, where's that coming from? And if it ain't the Lord, then guess what? Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. For your word, we thank you for what you're doing. We release our faith to stay in this flow. To stay in this flow. He said, we sing that song, he's making me, he's, you're making me like you.
Well, the truth is, he's already made you like him. The Bible doesn't say that we're be, we are trans. How are we transformed? We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Okay, but what does transformation mean? It doesn't mean change. Transformation comes from that Greek word, which is metamorphosis, which is the same word that, a, that we use for a butterfly. The butterfly was always there. It just had to go through a transformation process. We're stop trying to get God to do something in your life and allow the transformation process to occur. Let me say this. Let me say it this way. I heard somebody say this. He said, I'm just a wayward man on a journey, and I'm just gonna hold on. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. And I heard somebody say this. It said, every time you say that, every time you focus on that, you know what you're doing? You're glorifying the flesh. You are acknowledging what your flesh is feeling like and doing. Thank you, Will. Y'all give Will a, 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 a thank you clap. We're glorifying the flesh. Every time we do that, we're glorifying the flesh. Well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Well, which one? Because every time we do that, every time we acknowledge that, every time we do that, we're glorifying the flesh. We're acknowledging something in the flesh that is not a reality in the spirit. And we live in this, we live in this world. How come we can't walk in the supernatural? Because we don't live in the supernatural. We live in the natural world. And we're bombarded and constantly feeding our flesh. In the last couple of months, I've been on a mission to just basically get all this mess out of my life that I've allowed to bombard my life. In other words, the shows and the news and the TV. And there's things that we, uh, we live in a society where uh, you, we, can, we can get all kind of news we want right now, right at, at, at the moment. We can, I heard somebody preacher say this. He said, we don't have to worry about worrying now. Later on, he said, we can actually worry about things in real time because we see everything. All the kids are going to go with Will and, and Grace for, the, for some Christmas, y'all's Christmas party. We worry about things in real time. We allow the, the, the world system to bombard us. Listen to me. We allow the, the system of this world to bombard us. We've, we've got a station that we leave our, we started leaving our TV on. And it ain't nothing but, well, I'll just tell you what it is. It's the Believer's Voice of Victory Network. And we've just been leaving that on. You know, the girls, we'll let them watch their cartoons. Well, we're always monitoring. We hear anything that's out of, cut that off, go to the next, we do whatever. And they're constantly bombarded by all this BVOVN network stuff that's going on by all these priests. And all these, they're all saying the same thing. There's a change that's happening. There's a shift that's happening in the world and in the church. And the church is rising up. So I felt like the Lord wanted to deposit something in you today. It's like the Lord wanted to give you a gift that you've already got, but he rewrapped it and gave it to you again, and it's all excited. We started unpacking the boxes that we packed boxes like eight months ago. 
and the girls were unpacking and all these stuffed animals that they had packed in there, they realized that these are the stuff that, and it's like they got new stuffed animals. And I said, honey, go get all their toys and we'll wrap them up for Christmas next year and they'll think they got all these. Why? Because it's like they're unwrapping a gift they haven't used. You haven't tapped into your gift in a while. And the Lord wants you to unwrap it. And so I asked the Lord, I said, how, how, how do we do this? How are we going to do this? And so I asked Langston to do the transition, and he already set the stage. And he didn't know what I was going to talk about. He didn't know what I had already prepared, what I've been planning, what I've asked the Lord, what I prayed over. Oh, there is a shift. There is a repositioning, and the Lord is prompting your heart to step up to the plate and begin to function in your giftedness, and you don't want to do it, not necessarily because of rebelliousness, but because of fear, but fear is rebelliousness. What makes a person not want to do something? They're rebellious, rejected. Jesus was rejected. It says in his own hometown he could do no mighty work. Why? Oh, this is just a carpenter's son. What does that produce in them? It's specifically said, and there he could do no mighty work because of their, what is unbelief? Doubt. What is doubt? It is a rejection of the reality and the truth that is at hand. It's rebelliousness. <laughs> Listen to me, guys. Faith is not your problem. Unbelief is. My faith, it feels like my faith has been strengthened and at the same time it feels like my faith has been tested at a greater level in the last four months since we begin to make the transition and begin to really pull away from the world system and we begin to do that and it's like my faith is strong. It's not that it's, I got more faith, it's like it's stronger Because I'm, 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 I'm refusing. I don't want to listen. I don't want. It's not that you're watching anything bad. Is it producing something in your life? I talked to a guy the other day, and and he just keep he slipped back into the same mentality, the same situation. And I said, you keep doing the same thing, and you keep wanting it to change, but it ain't gonna change till you change something. Well, that's works. No, we're not talking about works. Grace is the well. We got a well of grace right here. If we don't reach into that grace by faith. Okay, I, 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 gotta, I can't explain it without reading it. So go to Ephesians. This is what I was seeing last night while I was getting ready. I want you to believe God with me just for a few more minutes because I want to be able to get this over in the way that he expressed it to me. Ephesians chapter 1. No, we're going to Ephesians chapter, chapter 1. So Paul begins to talk and greets the Ephesian church. And he said, I mean, I don't even have time. I can't even, I, don't, I just don't have time. 
And just as he chose us in him, verse 4, one, chapter 1, verse 4, just as he chose, everybody say chose. Is that past tense? You're done. Chose us in who? Him, Christ. Before the foundation of the world. People say, well, that's predestination. Well, what is predestination? He chose us. He predestined you and me and everybody to be conformed to the image of His Son. Then He says this. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Christ Jesus to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. His will is for us to be predestined. His will from the foundation of the earth was for us to be adopted as sons and be conformed into the image of His Son. I mean, glory to God, let's close it and go home right there. Well, make me more like you, Jesus. There it is, right there. That is His will. To the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted... In the below, I just don't feel accepted. You need to stop allowing your flesh to glorify itself. You have been accepted. In Him, everybody say in Him. You should take in the book of Ephesians and Colossians, take a pen, and everywhere it says in Him, in whom, and in us, you should underline it. In Him, we have what? What is redemption? The redemption through his blood, what? The forgiveness of sins. According to the riches of his grace. There's your grace message. The riches of his grace has forgiven. And he has made it abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Listen to me, guys. My mind is different than it was a year ago. My mind is different than it was four months ago. I, I'm, I'm not doing it no more. I'm not asking the Lord to give me something. I'm asking him to help me draw out what he's on. Well, doesn't the Bible say that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God? Okay, but what am I asking God for? Am I asking for wisdom that I don't have or am I asking for the wisdom because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that He has made unto me all wisdom through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So in order for me to tap into that wisdom, I need more knowledge. I need to renew my mind of the knowledge of Jesus Christ and I tap into that wisdom that is already in me. Jesus said you don't have any need that anyone teach you. You ever heard of the book of Berea? No. Why? I bet, don't raise your hand, because if you'd have asked me this 20 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to raise my hand. But how many of you know who the Bereans are? They were a church that Paul went to and spoke to and talked to, but he never wrote a letter to. Why not? He said, because they searched the Scriptures daily to make sure that what they had been taught was lining up with the Word. What I'm telling you, and what I'm giving you, 
is to, we need to get out of this mentality of fast food Christianity where God just feeds us everything we want right on the, No, you and I are going to have to discipline ourselves to cultivate. We're not trying to get God to do something. What we're trying to do is mine out what's already been deposited in us, and that takes faith. And faith without works is dead, and you and I are never going to walk in the level of authority and power that He has for us until we begin to live our lives according to what we believe. Having made known, verse 9, having made known to us. Is that past tense, present tense, or future tense? Past tense. Having made known to us the mystery of His will. Well, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. You do know, but you don't know yet. In other words, He's made known unto you. He's deposited everything in you. Already in here. Listen to me. I'm just telling you. This is something that's cooking in me. And I'm like, Lord, how do I get this out? He said, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. So there may be some, you know, some Lawrence Thomas seasoning in this revelation. So I challenge you to go back. But he's already deposited it into us. And so when we pray, when we worship, when we study, all of a sudden wisdom starts coming out. Instead of, listen to me, this is the mindset that most Christians have. Oh Lord, oh Lord, please bless me. Oh Lord, give it to me. Oh Lord, I need it. And it's like he's saying, guys, what, I mean, what else do I need to give you? What else do I need to give you? Well, I don't feel, you know, I don't feel like it. Or, or we say, well, I just can't do it by myself. That's a great, great revelation. We all need to stay right there. I wrote this down uh, inside of Psalms. It said, Lord, you are my strength and my everything I need. You are my strength. I mean, I remind my, I'm reminding myself of that every day. Lord, you're my strength. You're my everything that I need and I desire. Because I can do nothing apart from your strength. But I thank God that you have given me all things. You have given me the life. You have given me the power. You have gi- I can do all things. You don't need to say that when you feel like you can do all things. You and I need to confess that when we feel like we're at our wit's end. I can't do this. Well, yeah, where'd that thought come from and who said it? I can't do this no more. Who told us that? Who told you that? The mystery, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, that when he purposed it, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of time, in the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which on earth in him. This, these times are now. He's gathering together his people. He's equipping his people. He's arming his people and we are being ready. We are to go out and to do battle in our daily lives. And then he prays this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. 
The spirit of wisdom and revelation, according to John, has been given. He said, I will give you a comforter, a helper, one who, who will show you things. He is the spirit of wisdom. We have it on the inside of us. We just got to draw it out. And I'm telling you, it's a mind change. It really is. It's, it's a mind shift when you go, I don't know what to do. And the Holy Ghost scoops up beside me and he goes, are you sure? And I go, ah, you're right. I may not know what to do right now at this moment, but I know the one who does who lives inside of me, and so I'm tapping into that right now. Lord, reveal to me what I need to do right now. And then I pray in tongues. That's another message for another time. But we ain't tapping into that like we should. So let me get back to it, and then we'll... Chapter 2, he says this, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. We were dead, and he made us alive. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And we once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh. Verse 4, But God who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love, not because of yours, not because of your will, not because of your faith, not because of your and mine's determination to get everything God has for us. Because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And raised us up together and made us sit together, made us, whether you want to or not. Whether you feel like it or not, you ever make your kids do something they don't want to do or don't feel like doing? Made us alive together with Christ and made us sit together in heavenly places that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Now before I land this plane, I want you to listen to me. He's looking for someone that he can demonstrate his goodness and his kindness to. And that does mean monetarily. That does mean in your joy and in your fruitfulness of your home and in the uh, fruitfulness of your work and in your labor and in your health. And he wants us to look. He wants to look at people and he wants to demonstrate to them that you can live a life apart from this world system. He wants us to be the demonstration and the manifestation of that to everyone that we encounter. He wants that for us. And then he says this. No. That in the ages to come, he might. That's not a guarantee. He's looking. Will you let me? That's what the Lord's saying. Will you let me? Will you let me show my kindness through you, through my grace, through the riches of my grace? Will you let me? That new building, whatever it was that you called out that somebody's looking for, I can't, I can't afford that. I can't afford a down payment. Will you let me? Will you let me? Well, I can't afford it. Well, then, then we all need to get to that place in our lives where we say, I can't. Who told you that? I can't afford it. 
I can't afford it, and I can't do it, and I can't handle it. Who told you those things? Because not ne'er a bit of that is in the Bible. Ne'er. <laughs> None of it. I can't do it, I can't afford it, and I can't handle it. Okay, what was the first one? I can't afford it. That we know that by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, even though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made worthy. Okay, so I can't afford it. Throw that one out. That's not, that's a lie. I can't do it. I can do all things through Christ. Who told us that you can't do it? And the last one is, I can't handle it. I can't handle it. Paul told Timothy, you've not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Jesus said, Jesus, not Paul, Jesus even these works will you do, and greater will you do. So don't tell me you can't handle it. I can't handle it. John chapter 14 and John chapter 16 tells us that the Spirit of truth will come, and He will show us all things. Well, if you know all things, then you can handle it. Because if, if you couldn't handle it, then it would be because you don't have the wisdom and the knowledge to handle whatever it is that you're trying to handle. But if you and I have been given the Spirit of wisdom and revelation... And we know all things, then we can handle it because we know all things. And if you know all things, you can handle whatever. And he will show us things to come so you can handle it. Because if you know what's coming, you can get ready to handle it. And he will bring all things to our remembrance. So even if you are handling it and then you forget how to handle it, he's going to remind you how to handle it. You can do it. We can handle it. We can afford it. It's not a matter of whether or not we can afford it. Last thing, this goes for finances too, but John chapter 20, I mean, uh, not John chapter 20, what, what was it? Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter, yep, Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. I'm going to read this, then I'm going to close with my closing thoughts. Mark chapter 9. I think we read this the other, but I didn't dive into it. Verse 17, Mark chapter 9, verse 17. Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth and gnashes at the teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Boy, that's a rough day in the life of a teacher right there. Pastor, I went to the connect group leaders and to your elders, and I couldn't get them to do anything. I mean, that's really what he's saying. He's saying, my, my disciples couldn't handle this. This man said, I, I went to your bin, your people who's been following you all this time, and they couldn't do nothing about it. And Jesus said this, he said, and he answered and said, O faithless generation, 
So he didn't, see, listen, when the enemy shows up in your life, he shows up and he wants you to acknowledge, he wants you to acknowledge the problem and focus only on the problem. And so this man shows up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, my son, I mean, you got to help me. My son is seasoned and I heard that you could heal him. And, and I mean, the world's coming to an end. If you don't help me, it ain't going to happen and it's just going to end. And I took him to your disciples and they could do nothing. And instead, instead of Jesus focused on this, what did he focus on? He focused on the problem. And he said, oh, faithless generation. I mean, seriously, guys, how much longer do I have to be with you? If Jesus was here, if Jesus was a pastor in our day and age, Sometimes I think I get a little too rough. And Jesus, the man, son, is seasoned in the floor. I mean, it says it right there. He's got this thing on him, and instead of acknowledging him, he looks and he says, Oh, faithless generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he, little he, saw him, big him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. The minute the answer for what you're believing God for shows up, that thing is going to flare up and try to scare the out of you. Happens every time. You can't be intimidated. We can't be intimidated. Jesus wasn't even intimidated by it. This little boy, he starts tripping out and going nuts. And it's a demonic thing. You guys ever been around any demonic stuff in your life? That'll make the hair curl up on the back of your head sometimes. Jesus, it's like Jesus didn't even, it didn't even phase Jesus. Well, why did he start convulsing? Because he's trying to keep his dominance in the situation at hand. The enemy is always, always going to flare up when you begin to exercise your faith because he wants to see how far you're willing to take it. Man, somebody, somebody needed to hear that one. I mean, I got to where I'm rejoicing now. When I'm like, I just, in the name of Jesus, I believe God. And it's like everything falls apart. And I'm like, I must be doing something right because he knows that I'm coming. Or better yet, he knows the one who is in me that enables me. And in my coming, I'm bringing him with me. And so Jesus said, bring him to me. And the little boy starts going nuts. And that spirit begins to be in operation. And what did Jesus, it's like Jesus noticed it and Jesus did this. He said, how long has he been like this? Sometimes the best response, how can I say this? Sometimes the best response that you can have to the enemy and his loud mouth is ignoring it. And responding to the Lord instead of responding to the situation at hand. Does that make sense? When you start walking, like I've been walking up and down them stairs, and my, my knee starts popping. I'm like, 
And somebody said the other day, this guy, he said, man, I can't get up and down a ladder like I used to. It's because I'm getting old. And I said, how old are you? He said, 52. And I said, man, at the rate you're going, you ain't going to live to 60. You keep saying that out your mouth. He said, you're 52 years old. You're not 92. You're 52. Talking about, well, you know what happens when you get older. And so, I mean, I was walking down the stairs and my knee was popping and hurting. And I said, in the name of Jesus, shut your mouth. I'm serious. Y'all think that's crazy, but. And my elbow would be hurting. And, I'd, and I was riding in the car and I said, you stop it right now. And you line yourself up with what's already in hand. And goes, amen, daddy. I'm not going to listen to that mess. But listen, you and I can't walk in that level of supernatural if we're constantly watching What's on TV now? Because I don't even know. Whatever it is on TV. And it's not that it's bad, but it's not feeding your, it's not feeding your spirit. So he said, bring him to me. I've done that in my lifetime. I've had, the, I've had two specific instances where that's happened to me. Where there was something inside of me that said, oh, not no, but... Mm-mm. I mean, the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, it's like they presented the problem to me and said, well, nobody can do anything about it. And inside of me, I heard the Holy Spirit say, Mm-mm. Bring, bring that thing to me. Because the God that I serve, I know that can handle that. I don't know, I'm getting bolder. I've started asking the Lord things like, Lord, I'm asking you because I'm asking you. I don't care what Langston wants. I'm asking you because I'm your son. I'm asking you for Langston. I don't know. But how can you do that? Well, why not? He's my daddy. I mean, what's the worst he could say? No. Well, then I had lost it. I'm not being disobedient. Lord, I'm asking you to bless him. Lord, I'm asking you to heal him. So he brings the boy and he says this. How long has he been like this? And he said from childhood. And often he has thrown him about the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you, but if you, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us. And Jesus said, if you can believe. Jesus, this is excellent. I'm going to close with this. It's excellent because Jesus says, if I can do anything. Jesus said, if you can believe. All things are possible to them that believe. Our problem is not faith. He said, if you have faith as a mustard seed. No, no, no. I'm trying to get more faith. I'm trying, I understand that you can build your faith and exercise your faith. I understand that. But the faith is already there. It's not you're trying to get a muscle. It's not you're trying to get something. It's trying, you're trying to exercise what's already there. What can you believe God for? He said, if you can believe. Listen, guys, the gift for this morning is this. He said, it is by grace you have been saved. Ephesians. This is what I'm going to close with. It is by grace you have been saved. It is by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is, it is what is. 
What is it? It is the grace that you have been saved through faith. It is the gift. It is the grace is the gift. But you access it by faith. Well, he's already given you the faith. He's dealt unto every man a measure of faith. Not of works. And the thing that the Lord kept saying to me, he said, if you get the feeling like faith is works, then it's not faith. Faith doesn't work. In other words, faith doesn't make it happen. Well, I thought faith without works is dead. Yes, faith without works is dead. Not faith by works. There's a difference. How can I get this? Faith that manifests itself with a works mentality says, I'm going to study, I'm going to pray, I'm going to read for six hours, and then I'm going to exercise my faith, and I'm going to speak to that thing 9,672 times, and at the 72nd time, it's going, to, it's going to leave. That's works. That's not what he's talking about. Faith says it's already done, and so you speak to it as if it's already done. That's the works he's talking about. Crick, crick, in the name of Jesus, I'm healed. You don't look healed. You don't feel healed. It don't matter. See, that's what I'm saying. Faith doesn't say what actually is. It says what is going to be as if it was actually there. Is that making sense? My knee hurts. I'm just using my knee. See, my knee ain't hurting right now. Of course, I ain't going upstairs either. But I guarantee you, when I get home, I start walking upstairs. I'll walk up and down them stairs till it quits. Well, that's not wisdom. <laughs> I'm tired of that. I'm tired of that. Wisdom is being led by the Spirit of God. That's what wisdom is. And if the Lord tells you to rest, then it will come in the form of peace, not fear. If the Lord tells you to rest, he'll say, sweetheart, why don't you go take a load off? Because you need to rest. But the spirit of fear comes and goes, boy, you better rest. You're going to hurt yourself worse. You know you better rest. Faith says, it's not works. It's not by works. I've thought for years that we exercise our faith, and it's not by works. Faith is, expresses itself through works. In other words, my faith is what determines what I do, not the other way around. I'm not trying to make myself believe it. I believe it and I make myself walk in line with it. And so Jesus said, all things are possible. All things. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to pray <clears throat> over you, over us. Next week, we won't meet on Sunday because Sunday's Christmas Day. So in the book of Acts, it says they met from house to house and broke bread and drank together. And the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. So when we spend time at home together as families on Sunday, that's just as much church as what we do here. But 
we're going to gather together Saturday morning and honor the Lord together and worship together as a family on Christmas Eve from 10 to 11. So please, come. I'm asking you. Come and join us. Just be with us for one hour and let's worship together and just see what the Lord wants to do in our midst. And then we'll go to our homes and share Christmas with each other, with our families. But I asked the Lord what to do. And I felt like the Lord said he wanted to release in you a greater revelation of the gifts that he's given you for this Christmas. For Christmas, he wants to give you the gift of a greater revelation of who you are and what's been deposited on the inside of you. And this next year, the Lord is moving us and transitioning us. But it's not going to happen without you. I don't know how else to make that more clear. Jesus said to all of us, go into all the world. It can't happen. It's going to happen, but he doesn't want it to happen apart from you. He wants you to be involved. And so the Lord said he wants to release a greater revelation of the gift that's in you. How many of you want to know the greater gift on the inside of you? You want to be released in that gift. Amen. Will you play something for me? On the. Uh... So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you if you want to if you want to receive a greater revelation of that gift, just lift your hands up right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, a greater revelation. Of that gift. Lord I declare in the mighty name of Jesus. Like Paul prayed. That you would grant unto us. Grant unto them. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of you. That they may know. On a deeper level. The gifts that you have placed on the inside of them. And I ask you to unlock it. In a greater level right now. As an act of their faith in lifting their hands and saying, I want to know, I want to see a deeper revelation. I'm asking you that as a result of that act of faith, that the miracle take place right now. That an abundance of revelation right now begin to take place. Hallelujah. The gift of helps. There's prophetic gifts. I didn't say you were called to be a prophet. I said there were prophetic giftings. In other words, you see things before they happen and you don't understand what that is. That's a prophetic gifting. There's an apostolic gifting where you're not called to be an apostle, but you're apostolic in the sense that you want to build something and you want to pull people together. That gift's being unlocked in you and you're seeing that in a greater way. There's an evangelistic gift. Where all you want to do is just go talk to people for no unknown reason. You just want to talk, 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 talk. That's a gift. There's a pastoral gift that's being unlocked in you. You just want to take care of people. You find out somebody's hurt. You find out something's going on. You find out somebody's in trouble. And all you want to do is respond by texting them or calling them or holding them or talking to them. You want to comfort them. That's a pastoral gift. 
the teacher is not trying to comfort somebody. They're trying to teach them how that happened and why, they can, why it did happen and how to not let it happen again. And there's teachers in here. You're not called to be a teacher, but you're called to be that teaching gift. There's a gift of teaching in you. Paul said, by now you ought to all be teachers. And there's a complacency, there's an apathy that's been in the church. And the Lord's saying, that's over with. If you'll step out and give me your pot, I'll fill it to a level that you've never seen before. It's time. It's time. And don't sit, let me see if I can say this right, or to say it pastorally. Don't allow yourself or the enemy to make you think that you got to sit there till somebody identifies that gift. He said, bring ye the tithes to the storehouse. In other words, you bring your gift. You bring your willingness. You bring yourself and say, Lord, I'm here in whatever capacity you want to use me, use me. And there are ministry gifts. There are those things that God has deposited on the inside of you that you are called to be in the five-fold ministry. And I pray that the Lord manifests that. and open. You'll know it. Let me tell you how you'll know it. Look at me. Just for a minute. Let me tell you how you'll know it. Because <laughs> when I was called to the ministry... It was one of the few times in my life where I got a, 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 a word, where I knew, it was like I heard an audible voice that said, I've called you to the ministry. And then almost every other time after that, the Holy Spirit would lead me with, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, don't do that. But that was one of the few times where I knew there was something that rang out of me. And so then year after year, day after day after day, how do you know you're called to the ministry? Because every day I got up and went to work and I knew that's not what I was called to do. I knew it. I couldn't see myself doing anything else other than ministry. But I've been on the other side. I've been in the, in the business world. I've operated in the business world. And I'm telling you, you have a greater influence with some people than I will never be able to reach. And that is what we're called to do. We're called to do this thing together. Do you know what my responsibility is? My responsibility is to give you the tools, the equipment, and the training that you need to go out there and to do what God's called you to do. That's what my responsibility is. The evangelist, the teacher, the pastor, the prophet, and the apostolic. That's what they're called to do. The evangelists who are called to the five-fold minute, what are they called to do? They're called to teach people to evangelize. People that are called to the pastoral ministry, they're called to teach people how to be shepherds. They're not called to teach other shepherds necessarily as far as five-fold ministry, but they're called to teach people how to shepherd. Amen. And so, Father, just lift your hands up one more time and say, I receive it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Well, why don't you do this instead of just dismissing? Why don't you grab somebody next to you or somebody behind you and wish them and say it with an attitude. Don't say Merry Christmas. I mean, declare it with every fiber of your being and every faith that is in you and release faith when you say, have a Merry Christmas. And we'll see you guys Saturday.